Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, and uh, like every episode, joining me is uh, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm well, thank you, Christoph. And you know what? Guess what? I'm just making one observation. I think I've got a longer beard than you. For the I know, time but uh, a little incident happened to me last week. I was uh, shaving, just tidying up the beard and yelling at my kids. And the little, uh, you know, the little attachment fell off and he went, Vroom! And, uh, Classic so, French move. So I had to go back to bear and then now I'm regrowing it uh, slowly go. but surely. Anyway, we have a great guest with us today on the, on the Zwift uh, podcast is Sarah Roy. How are you, Sarah? Good, thanks. Thank you for, for giving us uh, some time. This, uh, this month, we've been focusing on, uh, on women cycling on, uh, on SBS. Uh, and then the news came out that there will be a Paris-Roubaix for women. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you learn that news? I actually woke up to a text message from a friend saying, um, Perry Roubaix, this is for you. So that's how I found out. And then the next message that I opened was from our team managers, our team DS um, in Norway, just uh, with the new calendar. So, yeah, super exciting. Sarah, I was going to say, the, the way uh, your friend messaged you, I think that is exactly what a lot of us said. I know Matt Keenan certainly did, and Christoph and I went, Sarah Roy is made for Paris-Roubaix. You must be super pumped. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I look at everything that's happened with the racing this year, or the lack of, and out the other side of this, fingers crossed, the women have actually gained something from this, potentially. It's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny how the world works, isn't it? Like, um, I think... So many female cyclists have been hoping for this day and you would not have thought it would happen this year, no way. <laughs> but, I mean, here we are. Let's see what happens. It's good that it's on the cards for now. I think that's super promising. And, yeah, heaps of us would be really excited about this one. How do you approach uh, a race that you don't know? Uh, you might know some stuff about it from, a, from the men's side, but, uh, like you said, Starting 2020, you didn't even know that race would exist for you guys. Uh, how do you approach this? Yeah, good question. Um, I suppose I haven't approached it at all yet, except for just being exciting and going, okay, cool, we're on. <laughs> um, something to look forward to. Other than that, um, yeah, I guess the next steps would be, for me personally, I'm really lucky that um, we have access to a former winner of Paris-Roubaix, and <clears throat> Maddie Heyman. So, I mean, you could pick his brain. Um, and then if it's a race that you're really going to target for a result, like I hopefully can, then um, I would start having a look at, um, you know, the course profile, start learning a bit about the sectors. Um, and also we don't actually know the distance yet. <clears throat> um, that hasn't been announced. So there's still a lot to learn about it before you can actually prepare. But Yeah, your team would have to um, rally around you as well. So I've got to have those conversations and really make sure that even though I want to target it, um, will my team target it with me or will they target it with another rider? So, yeah, a lot of conversations and planning sort of needs to happen before 
but um, we'll get there one step at a time. <laughs> um, Sarah, I've got to say, the fact that it's ASO that obviously run, that own those sort of complement of races, we've criticised them in the past and they've been criticised for the, for the lack of support for women's races. It's a good step, isn't it, I've got to say. Um, you know, and I'll still criticise them in other aspects with La Course, for example, but this is a step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, it is for sure. That's it. And that's what we're after. That's what we want. We just want more steps in the right direction. We don't expect, like, I mean, I mean, I can't um, speak for everybody, but I don't expect things to change overnight. And it's small steps like this um, and that we need. And I think the women that will participate understand fully that this is an opportunity we need to take with both hands and show that we're worth it. You know what I mean? So Well, both definitely both hands on the bars <laughs> yeah. going across the parvay, I reckon. Um, you, you're totally worth it. You don't have to prove it uh, to us, that's for sure. But the calendar as well, I was having a look at the revised calendar and for both the men and the women, this could be the most exciting sort of three months, I guess, three and a half months of racing that we're going to witness and that I, that I guess you guys hopefully will get to do. It's, it's chock-a-block, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be full-on. It's um, going to be exciting, I think. We, we, it's just such new territory as well. I mean, like, because then what happens afterwards? Where's our off-season? And then as Australians, you know, with nationals, we'll just be, like, straight off the back of Paris-Roubaix, basically. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, it is full-on. And there's a lot of clashes in there as well. So teams will have, you know, a bit of a... Um, you know, a lot of decisions to be made there too. And for our team, we're still yet to sort of figure out whether half of us, half the team are in Australia. So can we even get back to Europe? And what's you, that like? You just stole the question from me and Christoph was probably going to ask that as well. I mean, I guess you, you, you know as much as we do at the moment, we're all waiting. But yeah, I mean, how will you guys get back to Europe, I guess? Because 1st of August, I think it is, is Strata Bianca. Yeah, that's the first race back um, on the 1st of August. Um, but the latest news coming out of Europe that I've heard is that the borders within Europe are opening up in the middle of June, so about four weeks from now. Um, and that's promising, I think. I think that still involves a two-week self-isolation if you were to travel between countries. But, um, yeah, I think that's really promising for us. And there are, uh, you know... An, application processes for Australian travellers to leave Australia. And I, I'm hopeful, like, I think it's going to be possible. I, I think three months from now, surely we can leave Australia and go to Europe and do our job, you know? Like, I mean, it's not essential work, but I think it will, I think it will happen. I'm hopeful. I'm loving your positive attitude. That's what we're waiting to be hearing. We've been talking amongst our SBS group on our WhatsApp group and too much negative banter. Hey, Christoph, this is what we need. Positive. Be, care, uh, be careful what you say here because it's actually quite <laughs> private what we're talking about <laughs> on, on these groups. Um, if I revert back to uh, the, the, the younger, uh, you know, younger version of yourself, would you have dreamt of one day being able to, you know, put the, the, the wheels on the pavé of Roubaix? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm a bit of a... Um, I don't know how would you describe me, but I'm not. Um, 
the same as everybody else. And um, I think I'm just kind of always like, why not? But why not? <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, I, I had always, yeah, just hoped that it would happen and, um, and thought that things are changing. Um, and for some people, they're still putting up a tough fight and arguing and being, you know, quite negative on social media towards this organisation and that organisation and these race organisers. And um, but being in the in the middle of it all, I just feel that even from when I first turned professional about five years ago, things have just changed so much. Even just within the teams, just within my little bubble. Um, and I can just feel it within the peloton, just everything is just lifting and improving and it's happening, change is happening. So I think I've just been hopeful and just going with the flow. So a good, a good time to be alive. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so if we, if we just focus on, on this Paris Ruben and we move on, but uh, the, when you think about um, the, the, the history of that race, uh, from from the early beginning, do you think that every single woman on the on the peloton will will want to be part of that first edition for you? Uh, and no matter what, you can win it or not, just to be part of the history books. You know, I reckon there's a bunch of riders out there that don't care at all. This is not their race at all. <laughs> there's some, some little little people out there, little mountain goats that are just probably like that's not for me and uh, and that's totally fine like that's the beauty of cycling i think there's um such a variety of you know races um and uh, yeah probably not everybody is that excited about it but um i think it is for those that are excited um to just participate is definitely a win yeah amanda spratt i think she's pretty Keen. Uh, I saw her tweet. I'd almost I'd put her in the little nuggety little climbing type. So there's one that's uh, interested. Yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> and incidentally, just going now back to I guess women's cycling specifically, and talking about how so much has changed since you turned professional. Um, and I think Spratty's a member of this, uh, the Cyclists Alliance. They've been. I think they've been instrumental in the last sort of, well, I guess ever since this COVID crisis, when the UCI almost looked like they not so much turned their back on women's cycling, but didn't actually uh, sort of put them at the forefront with the men. And the Cyclist Alliance said, uh-uh, tapped them on a shoulder and said, what about us? That's been a big plus, hasn't it, I think. And I've been looking at some of the other things they're doing as well, just, I guess, trying to help and nurture the younger uh, female athletes in the sport. Yeah, the Cycling Alliance is um, like a union that's been formed for women specifically in cycling, but they support the men's as well. And um, yeah, they've been instrumental, I think, in a lot of changes that have happened recently. Even um, just the support for the riders uh, when they come across challenges within their teams that are kind of been taboo or you know, too hard to handle and then they probably quit. Like, I, I, I can't know for sure. I've been really lucky being in good teams um, for my whole career and I've been well looked after within my team. But, yeah, there are some horrible stories going on out there in um, some other teams where riders have struggled with being paid or um, just not being treated as they should. And um, so the, the union is there to support those girls in, um, and riders in that way. But then they're just massive 
women's cycling advocates and we've needed that for sure. And what I thought has been really positive um, with the union is how they bring us together as and one as one voice. Um, and it was in a race last year towards the end of the year and um, almost half the peloton got together in a boardroom and just discussed women's cycling and what we wanted and how we can streamline our message um, as one. And so we we're all on the same page and sharing the same uh, message to yeah the greater cycling community. And I thought that was really cool. So I think um, that's one really good thing that they're doing as well. Um, actually, just to add to that, it's you're probably a step ahead of the men in that regard because I've almost been critical, not of the men, but I think of, there's too many factions, I think, in the men's professional, um, in the men's professional scene at the moment. You know, there's this union, there's the CPA, there's that. And not so, I wouldn't say there's infighting, but they can't seem to agree on a lot. So you've hit it on the head there. I think it, you've built a pretty good base, haven't you? Yeah, and I think that's um, kudos to uh, Iris Slappendahl, who's really driven at all and um, has been the, the main yeah, driver behind the Alliance. Um, she's a great leader. And so I think it's testament to her on that. How, how, how were the, the last few months for you, uh, you know, in, in the team? We know we spoke to, to Derbo at some point from, a, from a, is that Spain or Andorra? He lived, I can't remember. Uh, but he was saying, you know, he was baking bread and learning how to bake breads and doing those virtual Zoom or catch up with a beer with the, with the team. Uh, was it the same for you? No, my experience has been quite different. So I was in Girona once the lockdown began and with about four other teammates and a couple of other Aussies and Kiwis, we sort of escaped Europe quite quickly. We made the decision collectively um, that we feel we'd be better off in this situation back home in Australia. So we left and that was really, you know, we were on endorphins. That was, it was pretty crazy time to really escape like that. But um, yeah, so being in Australia, then my whole experience is different because I've been able to ride outside the whole time and um, the lockdown is totally different. So I haven't, I haven't picked up any new skills. I haven't been baking bread. My life is exactly as it was before. So I sleep in a little bit longer and then I go training for three or four hours and I come home and I eat food and I do a bit of study and then I make more food and then it's again the next day. So my, my day-to-day life has not changed and I don't have time to do 1,000 piece puzzles or um, feed a little jar of bacteria to make sourdough. That's not, it's not happening. <laughs> you sound like you're really excited about making bread, but becoming a baker one day. Um, you make it sound like you defected from a country back to Australia. You, I could almost hear the, the sound of the Great Escape yeah, you know, coming at the back. Are you? And I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, Sarah. But right now, as we speak, are you? And I guess without knowing what the future holds and if and when you can get back, are you happy you made that decision to come back? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, personally as well, it's a little bit tricky for me because I don't have a home base here. I don't have a partner or, um, or a home that, you know, that I own or an apartment base or anything in Australia. And so coming back was a bit um, sketchy for me. It's, you know, then, okay, where am I going to stay? And 
uh, usually I'm only here for three months and two months I'll stay with uh, my coach or a friend. And then the last month is usually around traveling and racing. And um, so to come back and not be entirely um, settled has had its challenges. But um, I think 100% really happy with my decision to come back. The weather has been pretty good. Um, I've had a lot of support and um, the, to train outside. And like I said, my day-to-day life hasn't been interrupted too much. Um, and I feel, you know, with the guidance that I was given from my, my coach, who's a really close friend as well, it was kind of like, basically, we just trust the Australian healthcare system more. So I just felt, <clears throat> I just felt safer coming home. And um, yeah, once I, I got here, it, it felt right as well. Um, and then, but then there's the anxiety, like, oh gosh, are we going to be able to get back? Imagine if we can't even go back to Europe now and then we don't race for the whole year because we came home. That would be shit. But... <laughs> <laughs> that <won't be. laughs> in in a way, in a way, do you think that's a, that's an advantage for you this year? This year, going into this very short season, the fact that you've been able to ride outside, you haven't just done you know indoor cycling and swifting and, and so on. Uh, would you take this as a as an advantage that could be positive for you? Yeah, but you know what? Like if I was stuck in Girona and I and I was indoors doing all that, I would say that that was an advantage as well. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because you can get really strong on the trainer. The trainer is a great way to train. And we all know that Maddie Heyman won the Paris-Roubaix off the back of training, was it six weeks, just indoors. Yeah. So, yes, I, I wouldn't have viewed that as a bad thing, but I would definitely have then been doing puzzles and making bread. So I'm quite happy that, that I'm here and I'm going outside and I'm hanging out with friends and family and um, that I wouldn't get to do usually throughout the year. Um, and just working on other things, um, getting my uni degree done, and yeah, so it is, it has been an advantage and it'll be good to get the consistency in as well um, with my training. So I'll be in a good place once racing resumes, I think. Um, I haven't had to have, I haven't had to push myself in any way mentally to train. It's just felt, it's just felt natural. So did you, in regards to your training, when you got home, and I guess, uh, you know, at that point, none of us knew what, what the world was facing or how long we were going to be in lockdown. Did you or did you, you or your coach say, just take the next three weeks, do whatever you feel like. If you want to ride, ride. If you don't want to ride, don't. Or did you, are you the type of person that needs a structure? Or what, did you, what was your mindset? Yeah, the mindset just kept changing, actually. But it was a tricky one, too, because um, in coming home, it meant that I had about three or four days completely off the bike. And that's like a long time for a cyclist, you know, we ride every day. And, um, and it was, it was high stress a couple of days as well, sort of escaping Europe like that. And, but Olympics was still on the cards and I was a big hopeful for that. That's a big target for me. And they hadn't been canceled yet. And although we kind of, you, you kind of know, you still have to prepare as if they, they're going ahead so I was still getting, um, and my coach as well, was still getting calls and um, targets sent to me from Cycling Australia saying, okay, Sarah's going to have to do this to, you know, um, add to her case to be selected for the Olympics. And so we've like made this training program where I've got to do all these power targets. And then a week later, the, the Olympics are cancelled. And it's like, oh, 
And I'm like, oh, well, we'll just continue with that program anyway because, you know, me having had my surgery recently as well, we thought, well, this is kind of a good way to round up the end of my rehab and go, if we can get these power targets, um, that'll, that can be the end of your rehab and you feel like you've succeeded in that sort of thing. So, um, but then, yeah, a week into that or a couple of days into that, it's like, oh, actually, let's just... (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then it became, then I became a runner for a couple of weeks and I did like 40 kilometers of running and then, and then there was no program at all. And then it's like, just do what you want. And I did six and a half hours on the trainer and yeah, so there was a bit of um, relaxed training and uh, programming there for a couple of weeks, but not too long. Um, and my motivation doesn't um, sway too much. I'm usually quite motivated anyway, and I like being active. So it wasn't an issue for me to get back onto a program. So in terms of the, the target, the objective this year, so of course the, the Olympics have moved on uh, to next year, so you're still hopeful for next year. Uh, at least it's good you know the program you're going to have to, to do next year uh, already. But um, what are your targets this year uh, and have they changed? Well, it's just so uncertain. If, if I can get to Europe, then my targets will be, uh, I would like to target Ghent Wobbega. Um, and Flanders and Paris-Roubaix and the World Championships. Um, but if I don't get to Europe, then I'm just going to have to be flexible and, and find another target. I don't, know. I don't know what the options are there. I think Cycling Australia is looking into the professionals in Australia to race uh, domestically. We'll need some sort of UCI um, to they'll need to sign off on something that we can do that because I think there's rules and legislations around world tour riders racing in certain level races and um but yeah just wait and see what happens but for now I think get Wimbledon is my would be my my first target um I've just got to talk about one of your teammates Sarah because I just think she's such a uh, she's uh, such a positive person, Jess Allen. I've been following her just on her social media stuff. She's she's locked up in Girona, I presume. Yeah. How how good is she? How positive is she? And have you been in touch with her much? Because I think she's been on her own, and it's like she's giving us all weekly highlights of what she gets up to in her four walls. I mean, it must be tough for some of these younger girls, but she's really um, uh, she's almost enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I think she's thriving with the situation actually, but that's classic Jess for you. She always um, just puts the fun in anything really. And uh, yeah, so she's a vital part of our team purely for that, <laughs> even, um, even though she's a great bike rider. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of her strong points. But yeah, I think you're right. I think she is really enjoying it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I do keep in touch with her and we talk a lot. We're quite close. Um, we used to, we lived together, I think, for two or three years in Italy. Um, and so, yeah, we're in touch and she has her her days uh, where she's not feeling so awesome. But I think on a whole, she's really um, just taken it on her chin and I think she's made the most of it for sure. And they're allowed to train outside now. So she's, she's out there on a um, mountain bike getting dirty and 
falling in mud puddles and really enjoying being back out in nature. So that's good to see too. Can you imagine that? Uh, can you imagine that feeling of being enclosed for a couple of months and then all of a sudden the gates open? Yeah, I know. It's like how long? It was nearly two months, wasn't it? I think it was several yeah. months I locked up. Yeah, so uh, she could walk to the shops um, and she, I remember her telling me that she would walk to the furthest away shop. <laughs> so it would be like a 45-minute walk to the shop and back every day, which I think is quite smart. How, um, how long are they actually allowed out to ride now? Is it unlimited time or is there a set amount of time? Um, I don't know for sure, but there is a certain time restriction, like time of day, I think that they can exercise. And each category of person has a certain time of day. So whether that's your age or your work, I don't know. But the guys there are doing, you know, over six-hour rides. So they're not limited. So they're they're good. They're good. Um, One other question. I'll tell you what. Sarah, I, I am missing Europe like you and like probably a lot of us who work in the cycling world. And uh, I'm staring down the barrel of potentially, I think my first year back in Australia for about 14 years. What food will you look forward to most when you get back? What nationality? Careful, we've got a Frenchman on the line here. So feel and, free and, to also, and also what food do you eat here in winter? Because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, what, what do you look forward to most in terms of the cuisine in Europe? Oh, good question. Everything is so good, but, yeah, I don't know. Foie um, gras? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure Sarah eats a lot of foie gras. It's such <laughs> memory now. I don't even remember what life is like in Europe. <laughs> well, Italy's got the best pizzas. We know that. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, but I have a limitation with pizzas because I can't eat cheese or, or dairy. Ah. So cheeseless pizzas aren't that exciting for me. Jeez, yeah. mm. I've stumped. I've got you stumped. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> and also, actually, a side question. Yeah, Micah, what are you going to eat in winter here? You don't know what winter looks like here. What it's am been, I going been, to eat? Yeah, it's been more than a decade that you haven't spent winter here. I know. It's... I'm talking up. I'm, I'm, I'm to my wife. I'm talking up stews and soups, just to keep my body warm, keep my soul warm. That's yeah. it. I'm saying though, I haven't spent a winter as a cyclist in Australia my whole career. I don't think because I didn't do a lot of riding in Australia before I just went to Europe. And That's true. Yeah, my coach was just saying to me the other day, "How, how many winters have you done?" I'm like, "Um, none." And <laughs> 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 Sydney winter's not too bad. No, that's true. But that's the thing, like, because you roll out, you get, I don't know what to wear. It's so confusing because you start off freezing and then 10 minutes down the road, you're boiling hot. But then if you're going to stop at the cafe, you need a jacket for that because you get... <laughs> Think of us in Melbourne, it's like this every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Changes Look, every half an hour. Absolutely. Look, Sarah, it was a pleasure to, to speak to you. Uh, let, let's hope that uh, you can make your way to Europe and then you can make your way on the first step of that podium in, uh, in Roubaix. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. And thank you, Maka, for joining us as well. Thank you very much, Christoph. Thank you, Sarah. So this was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, remember that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now.
Before we go, a quick shout-out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.